Welcome to Bruin Source. This is Ed. This is Kevin. We're back um, in an all too familiar place at this point as UCLA fans. Uh, feels like our season's dead in the water here, Kevin. That was like gargling glass. <laughs> That's a good one. I mean, am I wrong? Like, did you feel any different? You're not wrong. You are, you're not wrong. Um, I think what Kevin is referring to here is that uh, putrid game against Oregon State. Uh, I think if you were a Bruin fan, you all, you all watched that. You probably wish you hadn't watched it. Uh, it was not the outcome we all wanted it to be. And in typical Bruin fashion, right, because um, it can never be easy with UCLA, it's like the loss, but then there's like this layer of stuff behind it that invalidates some of the positive things you thought going into the game and then like backs up some of the negative thoughts that you might have had in the back of your mind that weren't quite in the front of it, right? Like it was just the typical UCLA game like that. I, I guess we, at this point we might as well just get into the game itself. Well, yeah, let's let's talk about it. What what layers are we talking about first? I mean, there's a lot, lot to this one. Um a lot of it not great, but where do you want to even start here? I mean, just overall, I have three takeaways from the game. Um, the first one, I think we have to start here, which is our quarterback, um, Dante Moore. At this point, he's a human turnover, uh, and, and and I hate to say it, but I think just the, the, the ball doesn't lie at this point, and we, we've thrown a pick six in three consecutive games now. Um, you know, throwing a pick six a, a week is not a very good recipe for success. Um, clearly, he's not seeing the field right. Um, I don't know if his confidence is, is lowering by the week um, or, or how that's going, but it's just clear that there are some issues there. And it's I, I'm getting some major 2018-2019 DTR vibes from what I'm seeing right now, but I'll touch on that in just a second here. Um, the second takeaway is... You know, I think our defense, and we all, I think, kind of thought this, even if the stats were gaudy last week and whatnot, that, like, you know, we have a good defense. I, I think we have a good defense, um, definitely a defense that you can compete and win with at, at a good level. Um, but like the stats were suggesting last week, like, we're not at the level of Georgia and Michigan and Penn State and some of these other teams. And And in this game, I thought, DJU played really well. It was the most physical kind of run team that we played because we, when we play, played Utah, they were down so many players. It wasn't really like a whole bunch to evaluate there. Um, but Oregon State was was able to run the ball with some success. And then because of that, they were able to keep us off balance the whole time. And I think we had more coverage busts this game um, as a result of that than any of the others. So that's like one part to it. And the third part to it is just the all too familiar, frustrating game game management and offensive game planning by Chip Kelly, and, and I'm, I'm going to revisit that statement. Like I'm get, I'm getting major 2018 2019 DTR vibes here because yes, our quarterback is making mistakes, and yes, like should he be making some of the throws? Like like should he be throwing across his body to the middle of the field, running to his left? Probably not. But like going into this game, it is like just blatantly obvious that you don't need to watch any tape. Just look at the numbers. 
Oregon State's run defense is the weak part of their team. Um, Oregon State hasn't been able to stop a whole bunch of teams from running the ball. Like the previous week, they were they gave up a lot of rush yards to Cal. So with that, like the first three drives, what do we come out and do? And these are like the scripted plays, right? Because you usually open the game with like a scripted set of plays. The first three series, we call nine passes to three runs. And you know what the result of two of those series are? Interception, interception. So like, I just, I, I couldn't understand it. I, I, we, we try to like justify these things in our head. Like what could you have been thinking to like, do have that be the plan going into the game and like was it because you thought they were they thought we were going to go right so we went left right like is that is that what the justification there was is it that um we had a set of scripted plays that we really wanted to start with Dante Moore to get him comfortable and it's like even if that was the case it doesn't mean you have to start every single play like that like you can run the ball and then just like right after those first three series, as we found out, like Oregon State doesn't have a, as great of a run defense as everything else. And we were able to run the ball very successfully. So I just, I, I, I didn't understand it. I didn't get it. And after that point, after the first three drives, like we started to get some rhythm because again, we started to run the ball and just build everything around that. Um yeah, it was just, again, major DTR vibes from 2018, 2019, where it's like, yes, the quarterback's making mistakes, but are you really doing right by him when you know that he has, like, turnovers in him to just, like, ask him to step back and be Peyton Manning here? Probably not. Um, and, you know, again, it's an, it's an all-too-familiar sight. I'll get to Dante more in a second and go back to what, what where you started, but let's stay on this point for a second. What you're essentially pointing to is Chip Kelly failing this team, and and I think it is a it is a fair point to bring this up again, year six uh, of his tenure at UCLA, and we keep seeing the same stupid boneheaded things time and time again from Chip Kelly. I, I, there's a there's still that level of arrogance from him that I I think we see in these games where he thinks he's smarter than everybody else, so. You go, you see something that's working, and he, for whatever reason, doesn't want to do it. He thinks that it's smarter to throw the ball here, so he keeps throwing the ball here. And this is, and I feel like a broken record at this point. We've been saying this for six years now. He does not put our players in positions to win football games, period. End of story. We saw this during DTR um, tenure at QB. We were seeing this now with Dante Moore. And and for a coach to keep putting a freshman, a true freshman quarterback in these positions, and, and Dante Moore is not blameless in this, but again, he is playing with what his coaching is giving him, right? And we keep putting him in standard drops. We keep doing these boneheaded plays with him where we know he's struggling, we know he's not seeing the field well, you know his confidence is, is shot to pieces at this point of the season where, you know, three games in a row he hasn't played super well. We keep doing the same thing over and over again, and that's on chip. That's plain and simple. Um, you know, we know the O-line isn't great this year, but chip keeps calling these plays that rely on 
good pass blocking to give Dante more time. And, uh, you know, I, and this will segue to Dante more in a second, like I said, but I think I've seen, there's a lot of discourse around Dante more right now. And even, even a, I tweeted out at one point, like we should bench him. And I, and I stand by that. And I don't think this because uh, I don't think he's the future anymore. Cause I really do think he's the future. I think we've seen enough out of him. Um, you know, from a, from a touch perspective and throwing perspective, like he can play the game, but at this juncture of his career, he is not the guy to be, be starting when we cannot, you know, utilize where, what he's good at. And we cannot actually put him in a position to succeed with a bad O-line with, you know, receivers dropping the ball with bad play calling generally Jip Kelly cannot figure out how to utilize him and get his his confidence up. He should not be starting. Like, at the end of the day, it's also kind of for his protection because, one, you're going to destroy his confidence for the future. Two, like, there's a chance he gets hurt the way we give up pressure, right? And so there's, there's a myriad of reasons, I think, we see Chip Kelly throwing you know, him into this fire here and maybe it'll pay off and then maybe it won't, but it it's just, it feels wrong for Chip Kelly to keep doing that. And, and again, I, a lot of it, this is, I, I, I'm not blaming Dante Moore for a lot of this. I'm squarely putting this on Chip Kelly's shoulders. And again, this is exactly how I used to feel about DTR in like 2019. Cause like, I mean, us and all of our buddies like we used to have this conversation a lot and it's like yes dtr is making mistakes but there's some skills there to take advantage of like there are things that he can do well that we clearly are not asking him to do and instead we're trying to ask him to to take five step drops and seven step drops and read the field and move the safety with his eyes and then like take the throw over the middle like it's it's clear we don't have an offensive line that can block for him for that for you know more than five seconds it's clear that at that young stage of his career as Dante Moore is right now, he's it's, that's kind of not his strength to be doing that. What are we trying to do? And, and like, you know, Carson Steele last week had a successful day at the office. Or again, or I, I just, I, I can't fathom this point. Oregon state gave up, a good number of yards to Cal the week before. 241 yards rushing to Cal. So, like, even if you wanted to get Dante Moore in a rhythm and whatnot, why wouldn't you build that off the run game? It made no sense. And then the the next part of this, I mean, just game management. Because the crazy thing about this game was, like, we, we had all those turnovers to start. Um, we could have tied it at the half. We could have tied it at the half, and... And look, that 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 halftime thing, like you're throwing the same sideline out route, like you. Is the same play three times in a row? Three times in a row, like at a certain point they're gonna catch up to you, right? So like that's what happened there. If we want to say that, well, hey, um, that one's on Dante for being a little late with the ball or whatnot, maybe fine. The, the, the really wild thing about this is we were kind of in this game into the fourth quarter with all this. Um, and so we're down, we're down thirty six seventeen. We score. Um, how much time was left when we scored at that point? So I'm I'm looking at it here. Fourteen thirty one. 
Okay, so you're down at that point, 36-23. Every single like chart, analytic system, everything tells you to go for two at that point because it's just simple counting. Because like at that point, instead of being down 12, you were down 11. And why is that significant? Because then when you have the ball next, you have the option to kick a field goal if you need to instead of having to score two touchdowns because the difference at that point between 13 and 11 is not significant. Mr. Chip decides to kick the extra point. We're down 12. And why is that significant? Because the next time that we have the ball, we have put a good, put a good drive together, get the ball all the way down there. On fourth and eight, we could have kicked the field goal and kept this a one-score game. But instead, 4th and 8, false start. 4th and 13, false start. 4th and 18, hey, um, guess what? That didn't go very well. And the game was over at that point. Um, so, I mean, I, I, I don't get it. Um, I'm sure there was some great analytics justification that Chip would give us. We I'm, haven't I'm heard of, it from him. Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of just, I'm done trying to, like, psychoanalyze him at this point. Like, it, it after six years, this has gotten a little frustrating. Well, I, I I think I'm just gonna put flat out say it. I'm done with Chip Kelly. I've said this before, but I, I this feels like truly a turning point to the to a place where we can start thinking about moving on from him in a serious manner. Because looking ahead, yes, our schedule softens up, but we're not in the conference race in any way. We are you know, one and two in conference now with, you know, an easy slate coming up. And we'll talk about that in a second. But, you know, up until USC, we have this fairly soft schedule. But, you know, even two games out, uh, three games into the conference season and two get losses it now, we're not going to be competing for the South. Like, let's just put that out there. I think we're going to end up winning like eight games because I think we're going to drop a game or two in the middle of this even easy schedule here. Um, and that is an utter failure of a season six years in when we've all we've heard for the past six months before this uh, season started was how deep this team was, how talented this team was, how uh, good we were expecting this team to be just because the coaches were raving about it. We, they had no more excuses for, you know, this whole rebuild. We're thin. We don't have the personnel, blah, blah, blah. All of that was gone. The coaches themselves were saying that none of that applies anymore. Like, we have this roster. Yes, there were question marks. Young quarterback, you know, et cetera, et cetera. But still, the buzz was that this team was going to be good enough to win at least 9 to 10 games with, with our schedule and and compete within the conference race. We're looking down the barrel of a shotgun here. Like this it feels like a complete failure of a season already. And we're only halfway in. Uh, that's not a place we wanted to be year six of Chip Kelly or of any coaching tenure for that matter. But I mean, this is, this is an abject failure in my opinion. Yeah. I, I think at this point we can just, we can trend match and just point to, what chip kelly and ucla are at this point which is um you know there's this you know discourse out there that you know chip is an offensive genius um and that you know he's masterminded um our offense into a level that has just been unparalleled um 
but then you look at the actual results, right? So our finishes in total offense since he's become the head coach. 2018, 75th. 2019, 65th. 2020, 21st. 2021, 30th. Last year, 2022, 4th. This year, you know, still TBD. We don't know where we're going to finish yet, but... It's not going to be what, good. Yeah, I mean, so, so the funny thing here is, like, because we've thrown so many interceptions and whatnot like we've actually run a lot of plays so our total offense stats don't look that bad um in total offense we're 19th but then you extrapolate that to like yards per play and yards per drive and such and it goes down from there so yards per i gotta imagine our our red zone efficiency is pretty bad yeah i i could imagine that that's that's pretty bad as well in scoring offense we're 66th so like you know, that, that speaks to all that stuff, right? Like, you get down to the red zone, um, you know, how, how are you doing there? Oh, we do have... Okay, yeah. Uh, how bad do you think it is, actually? I'm going to quiz you on that. Whew. There's 133 teams. But let, let that be a hint to where, I'm, what I'm going to say we are, like, in the 80s or 90s. We are 131st. Oh, jeez. That is a gut punch. Uh, and it makes sense. I mean, you look at this last game, we... Gained 453 yards. We actually outgained Oregon State in total yardage, yet we only scored 24 points. We are also in sacks allowed um, out of 133 teams. I'll have to qualify 132. Uh, 112. Well, not good either. Yeah. But hey, it's better than 131. I guess. I I, I say all this to say this, right? I mean... The offensive genius and whatnot. I think what we see from Chip Kelly, if, even if you want to take the approach of let's toss out the first two years, like we had one year where we had like some real live talent on the team, and that was last year, right? We had an All American running back. We had three offensive NFL, three linemen that were like NFL players that are that are NFL players this year. We had a fifth year starting quarterback who played very well in, in DTR. And so the year that we had, like, you know, that level of players, we were, like, truly elite. And the other years, like, we've been about a little above average. And in the other years besides that, we've been bad. So, like, there's not a magic wand. There isn't some kind of pixie dust that we can, that Chip can sprinkle. Six years into this, we see the results, and that's that if we have good players, we will have a great offense. If we don't have, if we have marginal players, we will have a average to slightly above average offense. And when we don't have good players, we're going to have a bad offense. And so like, that sounds like so obvious, but like it, it has to be said because there's this discourse about the offensive genius that we have on our as our head coach. What you're what you're what you're pointing to is it's all about the Jimmys and Joes, not the X's and O's here. Well, like, I mean, and you, I won't even go there because it is both. Like you, you do need the X's and O's, but but sure, this idea that like, it, why did we think that this was going to work this year? In in hindsight, because our offensive line is completely depleted. If we look at it, right, we went from an, a line that had three NFL players on it to like these our line this year doesn't look like a high major offensive line like a power and you can stop right there because I think that's the crux of it when we've talked about it before like the offensive is failing 
because of the O-line being so bad. I mean, yes, we can talk about Dante Moore's, uh, you know, inability to read the field or make certain throws. And, and he, I, I, and I don't want to sound like we're, we're giving him a pass. Um, I, and and he, he is at fault for some of this. He is holding the ball too long. He's not reading the field well. He's not making his reads. That's fine. But you can expect some of that from a freshman quarterback. You can also understand why he's not doing some of that because he's expecting to get hit. And after three games since, you know, Utah of just getting clobbered, <laughs> if I don't care who you are, if you're you're sitting back there and you're just expecting to get clobbered every play or expecting to have to run around, yeah, I'm going to be making bad throws too. I'm going to be make, not be able to read the field either. Like, it's it's not necessarily completely just him you have to look at the context and it all starts with O-line we talk about how great our position players have been our skill players are going to be this season we can't get them the ball because we can't get you know protect the QB long enough to throw it can't open up the holes to run like it all really does start with with the O-line like I, I really truly think you fix that you could probably mask some of these other deficiencies here but that is truly it's a game of trenches and and we we suck in the trenches on the offensive side like period yeah and and that's i guess at this point we can start to look at this next game and just the rest of the season here um you know we if we look at the schedule now we got obviously we got stanford next who's coming off a, a miracle um up in Colorado. So, like, they got a little pep in their step. If we lose to Stanford, then, like, truly, like, we might be talking about, like, the end of the Chip Kelly era coming up on us. Um, leave him in Palo Alto. Even in Palo truly Alto. Truly leave him there. Yeah. At that point. Leave him in Palo Alto. I, I, I agree. Um, but Stanford, Colorado, like, even the, despite how we're talking right now, I think our the way that our defense is playing. I mean, generally speaking, it was a, it was a rough outing this past week, but generally speaking, I think we will either be in both those games, and so long as we just don't completely turn the ball over and give them like twenty one points, you would think we you would like our chances in these next two games. Arizona right now looks like a live team. Um, to the point where I would say we're probably going to be underdogs um, going into Tucson at this point. So that's going to be a tough one. Arizona State is is pretty useless. Even they're getting better, but but you would imagine we we win there and we got Cal at home. So there is a very open path to eight and four once again, um, and maybe it's even not good upset. enough. You can upset Arizona or SC, right? And you get to to nine and three. So once again, like the record is probably not going to reflect kind of what's going on or underneath the ground here um, at the end of the year. And and again, this is why I come back to the same point I started with. It's just such a typical UCLA game because on the surface we lost by twelve points at a place that's tough to tough to play and where Pac-12 teams have gone to die in the past. But if you actually watch the game, then you see that like we're repeating the same kind of mistakes that we've been repeating 
for the past two games, but just over like several years, you see like where our deficiencies are and why like it's just plainly obvious we are not going to be in any meaningful conversation this year. We're not, and um, I do, and and we've talked a lot about the offense uh, from this past game. We've mentioned defense a little bit. I think some of our deficiencies on defense were exposed a little bit, but but it's hard to blame the defense when they're out on the field so much. <laughs> like we we had some few drives because like we gave them the ball like two out of the first few drives. Right. So it's it's really hard to to blame the defense. Um, and secondly, I think the other the other thing that gets lost in this is that Kenny Churchwell was out. Uh, at the safety spot, and he is a, a key piece to that defense, and we saw it. Those, there were two busted coverages at the end of that game that we should have, uh, should not have given up. Like, it was completely, the safety was just not there. There's nobody there. Uh, and, and I do think that if Churchwell's playing, you know, we probably play better there in general. Uh, so I, I'm, I'm not as down on the defense as much as much as some folks might be. Yes, I think our secondary you know, got exposed a little bit. I think you know that that if if there is a weakness there, it is the secondary for sure. But I do think that our defense is still going to be largely pretty good for the rest of the season, especially in these upcoming games where you know Stanford is a depleted team here. Like, let's be honest, um, we should be able to handle them even up at the farm. And if we don't, like I said, leave leave Chip Kelly in Palo Alto. Uh, Colorado, you know, they have some playmakers again, but, and we'll preview that game when we, when we get to it, but I think our D line is a huge mismatch to their offensive line. And I think we, we will give them trouble there. Uh, and then we'll get to Arizona later, but yeah, that's, that's going to be a tough team. So I, I think our defense will keep us in games, and it comes down to the same thing we've been saying the last week or two: is can our offense score enough points to keep us in it? Can our offense not give the other team enough points to keep us out of well, it? Well, that too. <laughs> it's it's both. You're right. It's both. Uh, let's not give them easy points or or uh, easy field position, and let's drive. You know, have some drives of our own and actually put points up. Like I. I don't want to see these like 75, 80 yard drives only for us to, you know, miss a field goal or go for it on fourth down and not, and come up short. Like we need to punch it into the end zone more, more often than not here. Uh, I just, I, at this point, I, I'm not confident in, in this team for all the reasons we've already talked about that today that we are going to be able to do that. I, it's just it, it it feels bleak to me at this point where we we come up you know short time and time again in these big games when you know you you can teeter one way or the other we teeter the other way hey we're talking about you know a top 15 team here right in the thick of the conference race and now you know somehow we're still ranked which i'm shocked uh, about so like i didn't expect to see number 25 <laughs> next to our name uh, on Sunday morning, but now we're sitting here looking at okay, maybe we win eight games, maybe we win nine games with no real uh, concept of being in the thick of things with the conference, and you know probably looking at some mediocre bowl. Like that's the reality of it, and it um it feels pretty shitty again. 
feels feels pretty shitty again, but it should have been expected, I guess. As a as a UCLA fan, I should have known better. Yeah, and the other thing that was just frustrating for me, like in the middle of this week, um, and it, it's sad that I find this frustrating, because you hear the you know the national talk shows like you know Colin Cowherd and Joel Klatt and all them. Um, every year around this time of year, they'll you know, they're Chip's buddies, and so they get the phone calls, and they go on air, and they talk about how, hey, you see, watch out for UCLA. They might be a, a sleeper college football playoff team. And they did it once again right on cue this week before the Oregon State game. And, like, on on one level, I should, like, how I should react to that is, well, hey, that's great. You know, we, we want UCLA mentioned uh, in that kind of conversation. And on the other hand, like, I can't help but be frustrated because, like, I know the reason we are, that's how happening is because, like, they're Chip's buddies, for one. But for another, like, there's just so little consequence to them, like, the media saying those kind of things. Um, Because if we go up and lose, it's like, oh, yeah, well, it's UCLA football. Of course, they're supposed to go lose. Um, And, and the ultimate outcome for UCLA is that, you know, there's this perception that we have this amazing head coach, you know, Chip Kelly, who did so many great things at Oregon and whatnot. Um, and, hey, UCLA is going to win their, their token eight games without putting any context behind, you know, what the schedule is like and all that stuff. Like, hey, yeah, uh, you know, UCLA is going to win their eight games. And, uh, you know, what, what else? It's lazy narratives, right, at right. this point. So, 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 like, it's just it's frustrating because – that's probably like it should we're, I, I I can see it already right like maybe we win these next two games and that game against Colorado is going to be nationally televised and all that so perhaps we like do well in that game right and you're going to hear all the same kind of stuff again how Chip has turned this around and, and I hope I hope at that point we look better right I really do um, but this is just it feels way too predictable at this point that we're going to go to Arizona get our teeth kicked in and like the whole season will come down to playing SC, which, hey, that's another conversation. Um, but it just feels all too predictable. Yeah. Well, let, let's let's talk, before we even get, get into the, the rest of the schedule, let's talk a little bit more about the Stanford game. I mean, you know, Stanford's been terrible this season. They've been kind of dead in the water, yet they came back in a dramatic fashion against... I would say a more talented Colorado team, at least, a more energized Colorado team, and, and came back and won. So there's there's a little bit of pulse with Stanford here that makes you kind of pause for a split second, at least, and be like, hmm, are they going to give UCLA trouble? Like, it's not out of the question. We've seen weird shit happen at the farm already. Yeah, I... It, still, I would still... Sit in, you know, leave Chip Kelly in Palo Alto territory. Um, oh, I I if, agree. If we were to even struggle, but like especially if we lose um, up in Stanford, so I watched a lot of this game against Colorado. Um, you know, I I wasn't your typical like it was twenty nine nothing and I fell asleep. Um, I I saw a lot of like the initial Stanford comeback. Pretty much. All of it was because of that wide receiver, um, Alec Iomayor. Iomanor? Yeah, Iomanor. Yeah. All, pretty much he, all he of had it. Some, 
he had some catches in that game that gave me PTSD to like 2015, like other Stanford, Stanford teams that have UCLA. done that to us, right? Yeah. Yep. So I mean, primarily it was him just playing out of his noggin, and Stanford finally like putting pressure on Shador Sanders, which. If we've watched any Colorado this year, we know that that doesn't take a whole lot to happen. Um, and for the life of me, like, I, I, I don't know how that comeback happened, but I don't see, I didn't see too much in that game that is like repeatable from a game to game basis. So that's why, like, I still can't look at that and say, well, hey, um, that's going to translate because basically what they did was they gave the ball to Iomanor and like Colorado, like Travis Hunter was playing like literally every single snap of the game on both sides of the ball. He was exhausted and he couldn't cover him on that side because he was also, this is his first game back from like a lacerated liver. Um, He was amazing as a wide receiver, but just like they couldn't cover him. So I don't against our defense against our pass rush. Ashton Daniels is the quarterback. He, he played pretty well, um, you know, against the second half of the Colorado game. Well, he just threw it to Iomanor. But he just game. threw it to Iomanor, right? So, like, I I don't see, like, anything repeatable there if we play defense the way that we're supposed to. And, and again, Latu, he's, he's about to go be a top-five pick soon. Like, are they really going to be able to block him? I don't know, right? So... That's where I yes Stanford. I mean, it's good for them. I think it's good, great for Troy Taylor because like this is the kind of win that you can point to like a year from now when maybe they're trying to make a bowl game and it's like, well, hey, like we can fight through this because we did that. So I think from that standpoint, it's great for them. But I didn't see anything in the game that was just like repeatable week to week. Yeah, I mean, when when you think about Stanford historically, right? You you think about Stanford having good tight ends. Which you know Ben Ben Urasek is a pretty solid tight end actually, so they they do have some some talent there. And then you think of just explosive running backs, right? Historically, you have you know guys like Toby Gerhardt, uh, Bryce Love, obviously Christian McCaffrey, um, and you know they have a guy there who's decent, Casey Philkins. He's he's averaging over six yards to carry, but he doesn't really strike fear into your heart. You know, we mentioned Ashton Daniels, who's playing okay. He's not a terrible, but again, you pressure him and get after him a little bit. It's it's not like he's going to uh, absolutely carve you up or anything. And and Iomanor, like previous to this past game, was not anything incredible. So yeah, I I I agree with you. It's not like they're unstoppable. This is not the Stanford of old. Um, you know, they played out of their mind. And uh, yeah, if they give us trouble, this is <laughs> leave leave Chip Kelly and Palo Alto territory. We're already nearing that. I feel like, at least for me, I'm pretty over over old Chippy here. But uh, well, I'll, this... I'll just remind you of this because, like, I get where you're coming from, and yet, like, think about two years ago, um, we we kind of felt the same way at a similar time. Um, if we remember, right? Like, so it, in 2021, it's like we lost to, what was it? Like we lost it to, to Oregon or some, or at home and we were five and three and out of the race at that point. And it's like, all right, well, like, where is this really going anymore? 
and we went up and got clobbered at Utah once again, and then it's like, okay, well, really, where this is going? Is this going anymore? And we ended up reeling off three straight, and we went eight and four, and like, besides like you and me and like those who watch UCLA week to week, it didn't feel like there was a whole bunch of pressure on Chip Kelly. Like, though there should have been, there wasn't for whatever reason. Um, is but, that because but, of just the coaching industry? Is that because like he had just gone eight and four? I have no idea. But like, but I think the context matters, right? I think that you're you're pointing out something that's fair. It's a similar kind of place to be in. But I think if you look at that season, tougher schedule for sure. Uh, and we beat SC. So. Yes, we only won eight games, but this is two years removed now after, you know, all this talk about how deep this team is and how much talent we have. Okay. So if you you, you talked yourself up, you got to now put up or shut up to some degree. Uh, and the schedule is significantly softer. Again, it's, it's not shaping up to, to really help us in the end, but it, it, it is what it is. Like, it, sh- it was a soft schedule. We should be winning more games. Uh, and lastly, like, it remains to be seen, obviously, the, do, we, do we beat Southern Cal? Like, can we do that? And, and obviously, they're beatable. We, we watched this. That was the one consolation prize I think all Bruin fans got this past weekend was Notre Dame clobbered them. Like, they beat the shit out of them, and it was glorious. It was beautiful to watch Caleb Williams throw three interceptions and play himself out of the Heisman race for the time being. Okay, like, can we talk about that game for a second? Let's let's do it. Because, <laughs> yeah, you're right. Like, what was kind of beautiful about this is these two games were pretty much on at, this, like, uh, at about the same time. Notre Dame started a little bit earlier, um, yeah. which is actually kind of a good thing because by the time all the interceptions started for UCLA – Caleb Williams had already thrown, like, a one or two of them. Um, so, like, that was great. Um, this was a very interesting game from a couple standpoints. This actually should have been a lot worse, in my opinion. Because, like, Alex Grinch's defense actually did all right. And and this is where, like, if, if you remember we were talking about, you know, for weeks about this being the first hard game for SC. And I, I'd always thought that SC matched up pretty well with Notre Dame um, just because of this this point, which was, like, they're so one-dimensional, like, with, with their run, run game that I thought even Alex Grinch's defense would have some success slowing it down. And that's kind of what happened. But what we found out was that there's so many other flaws on this team um, geez, the offensive line is in complete tatters. They refuse to run the ball. I don't know why, but they just refuse to run the ball. Like Marshawn Lloyd, they have talent there too. It's not like they have a bunch of bums. They, they, no, they brought in good players. So Marshawn Lloyd had eight carries for forty-six yards. I don't get it. Like that. This is like Chip Kelly kind of stuff here, right? Um, and what continues to just really amaze me is this is now the third week in a row. Like, these receivers are just not getting open. Um, like, from the second half of the Colorado game to, na- to like, the end of this game, like, teams are pressing up on them, 
and like this this is where like Notre Dame is very strong um very strong in the secondary very strong on defense and so if Arizona was going to be able to do that to them like Notre Dame was going to have a field day especially with the weather the way it was geez that was beautiful to watch like these guys can't get open right now and you know, they're soft. I mean, we talked about this before. Like they're they're playing soft. That's what it comes down to. Yeah, and it's just it's pretty incredible to watch. Um, and and look like at the end of the day, because they have Caleb Williams, I don't see how they go worse than nine and three. Um, just just because I think that's just where it will end up. But that's a failed season in and of itself. A completely failed season. Um, like ten and two to nine and three, I think is probably where they finish. They're definitely going to lose another game, um, if not, if not two of them. But the bigger thing here, to me, is like, you know, if Lincoln Riley was ever, if Lincoln Riley was ever going to struggle uh, at SC, it was going to be because there was a lot for him that was kind of already taken care of at Oklahoma. Um, culture uh just a an athletic department that just knows what it's doing uh excellence that kind of runs from top to bottom through there and and just a lot of foundation set from bob stoops on down he inherited a team that was all about being physical running the ball in the first two years of lincoln riley i just i've said this so many times to you like they were a run first team that's what they were built on this every year that they've he's gone removed from like the Bob Stoops era, they've gotten less and less physical to where now like it's it's not the USC it, it's not the Southern Cal Trojans it's the Southern Cal Caleb Williamses, like that's that's all their team is right that's, now. That's that's exactly it, right? It's it's he's so enamored with his shiny quarterback that it's a, it's it's becoming more of a detriment to the team than anything. I mean, as talented as he is. He's and also flawed. And what's beautiful about this is because Alex Grinch's defense played kind of good, like he's going to be able to go back to them and be like, "Hey, see, they we 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 played good in some games, and you know that they're going to get wrecked in some of these ones down the stretch. Um, like Washington is going to put up points. Oregon is going to put up points. My dream scenario is at the end of the season, Lincoln Riley runs out to the into the sunset goes to some NFL team and you know we'll probably fail there but the cherry on top would be if SC was like we're going to promote Grinch to head coach here we're gonna we need some continuity here blah 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 culture bullshit 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 and promote him to head coach there because that would be I would absolutely lose my mind if that happened see like everything you said was like pretty realistic until that last part but that last part would be so freaking funny you know and and i don't think it will happen but i also wouldn't be like completely completely shocked if it if it did just with how inept i mean we've talked at length about how bad uh, ucla's ad has been you know historically but uh, Southern Cal's athletic department has not been run in an efficient or well manner for a number of years at this point. I mean, you've, we've, we can talk at length about the, the shit show that they have over there often. But like, I, I wouldn't be shocked if that happened. Like, I don't think it will, but it could. 
and to even say that it could happen is is insane to me for, um and but i would i would absolutely eat that shit up like i i would love that and i don't mean to belabor this point but like what you just said about the southern cal athletic department and just what a shit show it is and the, the leadership issues they've had there like there is no polar opposite to that than what Oklahoma has been um, with, with their athletic department. Um, and I don't know if Lincoln really appreciated the significance of that kind of stuff. Um, like Oklahoma's athletic director, Joe Castiglione has been there for a long time. Every program has like a certain level of standard over there and every department operates a certain, like a certain way there's a discipline behind it. They're all media trained a certain way. Like you see the shit he's doing here, like kicking reporters out of practice and <laughs> right. Um, you know, banning NFL scouts from practice, like stuff like that. Like fr- quite frankly, these are things he would never have to think about in his previous employment. And like now this is the kind of shit he's dealing with. So they're, hey. they're getting that. They have that typical SC circus element, right? And you, on top of all of what you just mentioned, you have uh, good old Caleb Williams telling people that he's not, he's uh, gonna hold out from the draft if he doesn't get to go where he wants to, uh, all that kind of nonsense. So, um, I, I, I enjoyed, not enjoyed Saturday, but that at least made me feel a little bit better watching that game. <laughs> yeah, unfortunately, I don't think Utah can go into LA and, and win just with the way their offense is playing. But hey, maybe they can uh, just ransack that offensive line and, and make it a game. Who knows? All of this to say, um, I mean, looking ahead, I, I wouldn't count UCLA completely out of that game based on what we've seen from, from no, the, if our defense is playing as, as well as they have been. Because you see the pathway to winning that game, which would be like, you got to get pressure on their quarterback um which if there's anything that like the best players on pretty much our entire team are on our defensive line so that would be the the key you make that an ugly defensive battle and and i think ucla can win and i think that's actually utah's path forward this weekend too if utah makes that ugly which they can be good at and and their defense is still very good Despite not having Rising, um, which I don't know if he's playing this weekend or not. I feel like every weekend you hear he's going to come back or isn't going to come back. I don't care at this point. But, like, they can make that an ugly game. And if they can keep it low scoring, then they have a shot at winning. Now, yeah, to your point, it's at the Coliseum makes it a little bit difficult. But um, I also wouldn't be surprised if the Coliseum uh, saw some uh, dips in attendance after that, that last loss. Uh, yeah, and then they go to Oregon and, and Washington after that, so that's good. Or I I don't, which they go they go to, to Cal one of first. Um, yeah, so Cal is pretty miserable, so they're they're probably gonna to, to beat yeah, Cal. Yeah. Um, but then they play Washington, then they go to Oregon, and then they play us at the end of the year. And the other so, hope for Utah on this, by the way, is you know. Uh, I don't know the last time Alex Ridge's defense did well two weeks in a row. So, uh, <laughs> who knows? There might be hope there. Fair. Um, but, yeah, like, so, I, and, and this, this is all a very roundabout way to say, if 
Chip Kelly manages a way to beat Southern Cal, I think he gets away with eight games here, eight or nine games here. That's well, that's all. All I all. think he rallies fans to his cause, and and that's like, of all the like issues right now. There's just no interest in this. Like we've seen enough, and UCLA fans aren't stupid. Um, like we kind of just know where this is going at this point. You beat SC this year. You beat Caleb Williams. You beat Lincoln Riley. Like you could start to rally some some troops to the cause, and start actually building some some excitement back to this. So so yes, like potentially this does become like win win your games and then try to beat SC from from here on out. And so as always with Chip Kelly, there is still a path for him to win people back. Will he take it? I have my doubts. I mean, this is the theme, right? It's a squandered opportunity after squandered opportunity. I, I think even going back to last season, when you look at how we ended, we squandered that game against Arizona at home. So <laughs> big, big stumble there. We obviously lost to Southern Cal, but, you know, it was not a soul. Uh, well, <laughs> let me backtrack. It was very soul crushing. The way we lost it, but we were competitive. It was an exciting game. There was buzz around it. It was fun, you know, from a neutral perspective, from a national perspective, it had implication. Like people were excited about it. Um, And I think there was some momentum being built around the fan base. And then you go and lay that, that stinker against Pitt. And I think that kind of halted a lot of that. And even this season, I think some of that momentum carried over. You know, people were coming out to the Rose Bowl a little bit more. Um, you know, there was some wariness, but, you know, we saw... I, I've i I've gone to, to some of the home games at this point. You know, the first home, the opener, there was a decent crowd there. You know, I think people were intrigued. They were a little excited based on what they saw last season. There was this new quarterback, blah, blah, blah. Um, and then you get to Utah lay that stinker you you know then now we're kind of okay you know Washington State no one you know cared about to show up enough uh, in droves like it was a pretty bad crowd now you lose to Oregon State and I I'm predicting like our fan base is is pretty apathetic was already apathetic and it's going to continue to be really really apathetic now but yeah, there's an opportunity, again, to your point, to s- turn this season around to some degree. But I, I, if I if I had had to put money down, I would say we will squander it and Chip Kelly will squander it. Well, hey, guess what? It's basketball season soon. Whew. Like two weeks, I think, is our first exhibition. So we got our first exhibition against Doming- Dominguez Hills. Um October 31st, I think. And then our season Halloween. Opener, season opener is on uh, November 6th. So it's right around the corner. I can't wait. I can't wait to talk about something else. Even if we go and lose some games early on, like there's stuff to be proud of there. I can't wait to talk about it. Yes, I am looking forward to a distraction from this football disaster. Um, and the, you know, the first eight people came out, I think there's a lot of Bruin fans that were upset that UCLA was left right out of it. I think if you look at it, they were like 
26, 27, somewhere in there. Um, I, I, I think it's fair to not keep keep UCLA in the ranking in that first ranking. First of all, like, we all know it's a meaningless ranking at this point. Like, no one knows anything. Secondly, when you look at the team, it's a completely new roster. We lost all of our offensive uh, firepower at this point, and we're replacing it with, albeit insanely talented freshmen and transfers, but, you know, there's a lot of unknowns there. I think the talent will eventually shine through, but I, I, I don't think it's fair to um, hold that against the ranking, the pollsters, whatever you want to call them, um, to leave UCLA out of it. Uh, that being said, I trust Mick to, to get get this team in shape by the time it matters. I'm just going to say one thing about the rankings. Um, last season, preseason poll, do you know who was ranked 27th? San Diego State? Nope. One better. UConn? It was UConn. There you go. That's so, all yeah. you need. I mean, I think as much as book it any sport that's out there college basketball has the most meaningless preseason poll um because you have enough early season games to where like the poll is going to pretty much make itself by the time january comes around or december comes around um so like do i wish ucla was ranked yes do i wish that you know, we kind of got the benefit of the doubt in the same way some of the other, um, you know, programs do when, even when they lose a ton of players. Yes. Um, am I really all that disturbed about it? I'm going to sleep pretty well tonight. Yeah, I think it'll fix itself by the time it matters. Um, and, you know, the more meaningful polls like Ken Palm and whatnot, I mean, they, they hedge at the very beginning, right? Like, they even say none of this matters. Like, we don't have the data to actually make something like Ken Palm meaningful. And uh, so, yeah, the AP poll, all these polls are, you know, kind of human run in any way. So there's inherent biases and whatnot that go into it. But, yeah, I'm not I'm not really tripping either. Um, I'm with you there, but I am excited. We're only a couple of weeks away. Um, I'm excited to see how this team kind of grows and, and gels over the course of it. We'll do a full preview later. We'll do a full preview. There's a whole lot to talk about there. Cool. Um, well, I think um, I think with that, we will come to a merciful end here. Uh, we don't need to talk about football anymore. Uh, yeah, we go up to Stanford, 7.30 p.m., I believe, PST on Saturday. I'm assuming that's a Pac-12 channel game, so... Good luck watching it for you addicts and uh, masochists who will be watching, like ourselves. Um, As always, you can find our show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, all of the major uh, platforms. Follow us on Twitter or X. um, Retweet us. Share with your friends. uh, Share with other Bruins if you enjoy us. Uh, And as always, uh, we will catch you next week and go Bruins. Go Bruins.